This is Hubwonk. I'm your host, Joe Salvaggi. Welcome to Hubwonk, a podcast of Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston. The 2020 election is here. Voters are deciding which vision of America's future they prefer. Healthcare issues, a top concern among voters in any election, now takes center stage as this election is being held in the midst of a once-in-a-century pandemic. The election result has the potential to not merely change our approach to the pandemic, but also to profoundly change our entire healthcare system and the role government plays in health decisions. What paths lay before us? In what ways and why are the parties so divided on healthcare? And what will the election results mean for Americans broadly and for those of us here in the Commonwealth? To help answer these questions is my guest, Professor Bob Linden, Professor of Health Policy and Political Analysis at both the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and Harvard Kennedy School of Government. In addition to his role as teacher, he directs the Harvard Opinion Research Program, which focuses on better understanding of public knowledge, attitudes, and beliefs about major social policy issues in the U.S. and other nations. Professor Blendon has just released a special report entitled Implications of the 2020 Election for U.S. Health Policy. We will discuss the observations of his report and what the election results will mean for citizens of Massachusetts. When I return, I'll be joined by Harvard professor Bob Blendon. Okay, we're back. This is Hubwonk. I'm Joe Salvaggi, and I'm now joined by Harvard professor Bob Blendon. Welcome to the show, Professor Blendon. Joe, very glad to be here. Well, uh, Professor Blendon, I, I enjoyed reading your report, which is the implications of the 2020 election for the U.S. health policy. Um, I, I thought it was refreshingly clear. Let's set the stage for our listeners and at a very high level discuss what the main points of your paper were. Uh, so, uh, first, Joe, what we like to do is try to do a weather forecast, which is if the election goes one way, this is what the weather is likely to look like in health and social policy if it go, goes the uh, other. Uh, and the point we want to emphasize, and it's very confusing to people who don't follow the political situation very closely, uh, people use the word polarized and divided and everything else. And what does this actually mean for things that I care about? So what's happened is, and we can discuss this, uh, the uh, way uh, government operates has changed. And so when the election is over, uh, if one party wins, let's say the Democrats, Republicans win both houses and the presidency, the policies will be the policies, not that everybody says in some poll that are followed, they'll be the policies that most either Republicans or Democrats care a lot about. And that really confuses people. So uh, the most recent example is the majority of Americans said that when uh, Supreme Court justice died, uh, that position should not be filled to after the election. Uh, the majority of Republicans uh, in the United States wanted that position filled and wanted it filled with a conservative. Now, the Senate majority didn't wait five minutes and filled that job. 
And so uh, if the Democrats were in the majority, we would not have filled that job till after uh, the election. And on one issue on health and education and health care and COVID, there really are big differences between the core of the parties. And and so uh, you can ask me either way if the Democrats win everything, what it will be, uh, but it'll relate to what they most care about. If Republicans win everything with the president, it'll be that. And then uh, I am quite on record. If it's split between House and Senate, Republican and president, you're not likely to see a lot of very large bills passed uh, uh, in uh, health or social issues because the core of the two parties are so far apart. And when Vice President Biden talks about how we're going to get bipartisan, we're going to get together, we're going to be hugging each other again, uh, that's not likely to happen. When the ACA was passed, no Republican at all in either house voted for the ACA. Uh, for that, when it came to repealing the ACA vote, essentially no Democrat voted for it. So uh, ask me where you want to go, and there are essentially seven critical issues. Where are we going to go with health care reform? Uh, COVID, which is a terrible mistake for this country, has become very politicized. So the parties are different. Uh, on what to do. The issue of abortion, the issue of racism, which is back to a level it was in the 1960s as a voting concern. The issues of gun control, uh, aid the states and cities and those in Massachusetts will discover next year, the state has a very large deficit. And then are we gonna help or not? Is Washington gonna send funds or not? If not, there are gonna be some very severe cutbacks. And then uh, as with this discussion just today about what the president wants to do with Dr. Fauci, the parties differ about how they treat medical scientists uh, when they need or don't need their advice in a crisis. So you pick uh, one of those issues and I'll tell you where they differ. Okay, you've invited me to ask the question, so I will. Uh, let's draw an imaginary matrix, one in which the Republicans win both the White House and Congress, one in which the Democrats win both the White House and Congress, and then, of course, a scenario whereby uh, one party takes one or the other, uh, what the legislative agenda and the likely outcomes would look like given those four scenarios. Uh, the Republicans uh, want to uh, cut back on the ACA. I believe the era of that we're just gonna take coverage away from millions is, is, is quite over. There's a Supreme Court decision which could strike down the ACA, and I am not a professor of law, but I think it's still unlikely to happen. But where the Republicans wanna go is, and just step back, they would like a healthcare system where states set the guidelines for how health insurance, and there's a lot of discretion in how states arrange, regulate, encourage. They also are very strong believer. Healthcare costs is really a top uh, issue. How would you deal with it on the Republican side is they want to encourage competition between insurers, plans that have co-pays and deductibles, uh, uh, pricing. They want to try to rely on the markets. Uh, a very big difference, though, the Republican Party is not in favor of a complete universal coverage bill. Uh, 
where everybody by federal law has to have or does have health insurance. And that's very uh, different. And one of the splits among Republicans is a sense that they have to do something for people who are not covered. But they, as a whole, do not like the idea that we're going to have a federal law where everyone will have uh, health insurance coverage by, by federal law. Uh, uh, for that. So uh, they're not likely to repeal it. But the if you move back, the vision would be states in charge. So Texas might have a different health care situation than Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Illinois would be different than California. And there'd be a lot of competition. And you see just right now, uh, uh, Medicare, more than a third of people will choose a private insurance policy. And Republicans would encourage more competition, more policies offered, different benefits, and a a, a state oversight Mm -hmm. uh, for that. If you switch to the Democratic side, which is a big issue, the Democrats are overwhelmingly committed that everybody in America will end up with some health insurance card. And there's a debate about if you are a legal resident, if you will or not. But in general, everybody is a legal resident would have a card. The card uh, would be overseen by the federal government. It could be private, but the rules and regulations uh, would be uh, uh, federally sponsored. Uh, The Democrats are, are, are split. Uh, between whether or not someday they would like everybody to have a Medicare-like government insurance card or have a private insurance card that, uh, with Medicare and Medicaid that is regulated uh, for it. I believe that it's likely that if the Democrats want everything, we would have a universal plan that would build on the ACA, but it would offer some sort of a public sector Option. So the same way if I'm on Medicare, I can choose a private insurance policy. People would be offered a Medicare-like plan. If you work the General Motors or something like that, uh, or uh, you bought your own insurance, one of the choices would be a Medicare-like plan. Sometimes it's called a public option. But the Democrats would have universal coverage, some sort of a choice of a public plan, And the difference with Republicans on costs, which is a top issue for both parties, is they would rely much more on regulation, pharmaceutical prices, how insurers pay doctors and hospitals, uh, the expansion of hospitals, uh, whether or not they see them as necessary. So Republicans are going to rely on markets, give people information, higher deductibles, choose. Democrats are going to rely on federal regulation that's going to try to restrain people's budgets and charges and what goes into them. That's the fundamental difference. Uh, the Republicans are not going to move of giving 40 million more people a, a card, at least in, in the next two years. Uh, the president never got any consensus for that, and it's not there. But I don't believe they're going to eliminate the ACA, but they would try to move it where there's much more state responsibility and choices of benefits would vary very considerably about what was available. You're paper's findings with the polls and questions you ask clearly indicate that the parties are very, very different in their view on the role of government in healthcare. 
Uh, given this fact uh, and the ambitions of both parties to change uh, healthcare in the direction that they think healthcare needs to go, um, what do you see as the future of healthcare policy? Given that there seems to be no solution that would satisfy. One of the dominant themes in your paper is uh, the clear observation that each party has a very, very distinct view of the role government should play in healthcare. Uh, they're almost mutually exclusive visions. Uh, I wonder what that uh, tells us about the likely future of healthcare policy. That is, if each party, once elected, imposes its own view of healthcare and the next election occurs whereby the objective is to dismantle uh, the earlier vision. Uh, what does this mean? How will ultimately we resolve the role of government in healthcare going forward? Let me deal with uh, two issues. Uh, for people who look further ahead, uh, we're going to see instability uh, in health and social policy in the United States, at least for a while. Uh, and just the point, when Bill Clinton uh, won, two years later, he lost the House and Senate. Mm -hmm. And the whole health care discussion changed. Uh, Barack Obama lost the House and Senate within two years after the ACA just passed. Uh, for that, it changed. Uh, President Trump lost the House within two years. And it's not a matter of, oh, there's a slight movement one way or the other. The whole leadership view about government and health care completely changed. Uh, uh, for that. So if the Democrats win, uh, they have two years and then there's uncertainty whether or not you'll hold both houses uh, for that. And the Democrats are, are, are split uh, between let's do the big thing. Let's have a single Canadian Medicare-like uh, program. Medicare is very popular uh, for that. When the other side, no. Uh, it's not going to fit the United States. Let's build on the ACA, which is the Obama-Biden uh, lesson. I think it's impossible for the Democrats to move further towards Medicare for all in two years. Uh, four years, six years, eight years, this debate is not going to go away because actually the Democratic Party is becoming more politically liberal, more interested in a much larger role for government, but it's growing slowly. So in the short term, uh, their option is to build on the ACA, try to get most people covered where Democrats agree. What they absolutely agree is everybody in, in Florida and Texas, they should have some insurance card. Uh, 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 for that, uh, but not the Medicare uh, uh, for all. Uh, uh, but uh, the Republicans could get the House and the Senate if it w works against them back again, and we could shift. So uh, this is uh, something, if you're from another country, it's really going to shock you. The core of the two parties are very, very far apart. And if Republicans get the House and Senate back, they're not doing Medicare for all, and they're not going to build on the ACA the way it is. And I suggested they're actually going to try to move it to more states, to more competition, to less regulation uh, of, of benefits. So if the Democrats win now, there will be enormous pressure to try to get something done. And let me just mention, and this is speculation, uh, we have a, a, a rule within the Senate that in many bills you need 60 votes. Uh, the ACA was passed by narrowly making part of it a budget bill. It did not require 60. 
but you're going to find whoever wins enormous pressure to get rid of the 60 vote so they can pass something large. It's going to be huge tension uh, over since only the majority party will want to move in one direction or another that they don't want to say, I need 60 votes in, in order to go. So there's going to be pressure uh, to ease up on that. Uh, and the bills, regardless of the discussion, when you see election ads, which say we're going to be bipartisan, we're going to hug each other like we used to, the divisions are enormous. When you interview average Americans and they say, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat, and then you ask them other questions, they're enormously far apart. It's not a matter of almost this or that. Uh, they really are far apart about where they want this country to go, which means if one party wins, they're going to base their views on the core of their party, and they're going to have to push in a short term very hard to get their view of what healthcare should look like done. So uh, that sounds, uh, well, I don't know, uh, like dark clouds on the horizon eliminating the filibuster, I think is what you're referring to with the uh, the need for 60 votes being removed. That would make whatever victory uh, is enjoyed even more yeah, fragile. Just remember, so we're fair here on a any bipartisan basis. The passion about this came when the Republicans changed the need for 60 votes to move ahead on, on a federal court appointment. Right, and which followed uh, Harry Reid's at the lower lower level. Yes, so we we can and keep going so back as far as we like, but yeah, um, but uh, the, nu the nuclear option direction. comes from Harry Reid, right? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, so Harry was not alone. Let's put it that way. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so you are a scholar on uh, healthcare policy, perhaps more on a, a opinion. Uh, do you see any opportunity? Is there, if we draw a Venn diagram of where the commonality exists, does any exist, and are there? Uh, can you imagine? Uh, let's say. Uh, and you already presented uh, the two paths that Democrats could go, uh, either full-on uh, public option or a, a tweaks to the ACA. It seems to, you seem to suggest it's probably more prudent to, to, to move in the more tweaky way. Uh, in so doing, do they, do they have the opportunity to invite the best ideas of, of the Republicans with the hope of, of um, securing a more uh, stability for their uh, agenda in the future? Uh, uh, so at, at some point in time, this country has to narrow the divisions. In the short term, if you interview voters from either party, there's just not about let's take the best idea. Uh, and, and, and put it in. Uh, and so uh, uh, Democrats believe uh, very heavily that your income shouldn't matter in the care that you get, which mean markets where people make a decision about paying for things. Uh, it does not look the same to a Democrat as a more conservative Republican. Uh, that is that $1,000 for insulin is something different for someone who earns $50,000 than somebody who earns $32,000 mm -hmm. uh, uh, for that. So anything that has co-pays and deductibles has a real income effect. Democrats are really bothered by that. Republicans really believe you want to give financial incentives for people to look at prices and shop and choose and decide what's best for themselves. And that's not easy to find uh, a, 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 a agreement over uh, for that. 
Democrats want much broader benefits and they don't want people who need mental health to be deterred because they have to pay 5,000 or that the medical center closest to their family loved one is across the street, but it's charges more. And the one that'll see you for thousand dollars less is 10 miles away. That has no play in a democratic audience. It has a great deal of play in a Republican audiences, shop around, go around. But for, and so it's not a matter of let's take the best idea or hair. Uh, They really have a very different view about fairness and the best way decisions should be made. Uh, And so Democrats are incredibly interested in the federal government negotiating with the pharmaceutical industry around prices. Uh, and the Republicans were not enthusiastic. The president sort of moved towards we're going to have some price negotiation based on European charges. It never really uh, went very far, but that doesn't run well in, in Republican uh, uh, point of view. Uh, they want lots of insurers negotiating with pharmaceutical companies and you pick the insurer that you think gets gets better. So there hasn't been a great deal of merger in you have terrific ideas and I have terrific uh, uh, ideas. Uh, If they need two votes, there'll be some compromises. But when you interview core Republicans and core Democrats, their views of where they want the country to go and health policy are not the same. It's not a matter of my idea is better than your idea. It's how I want it to work. Uh, And so, uh, and that's true in covid And just briefly for your audience, uh, uh, and it's very sad from my view that it's gotten as politicized as it did, but basically Republicans uh, are are very concerned about what lockdowns do to the economics of people's lives. Uh, It's uh, you lose bars, restaurants, trucking companies, people's jobs, people's dreams. Uh, Democrats have really decided, I want to go with medical science. And if we have to shut the economy down to slow the spread of this virus until we can get a vaccine or a treatment, we're just going to have to do it. Uh, And Republicans are absolutely. And what's foolish is they got in the middle of a fight over masks, which have to do with a small share of people who are very libertarian. Don't tell me what I have to wear. But in general, the real battle is, and it's actually true if you follow England just this week, the conservative party reluctantly is starting to close the economy down and their own party members are attacking the government leadership saying we can't close the businesses and the gyms and this down again. We just can't do this for it. And people who are on the more liberal side are saying we must do whatever it takes to stop the spread of this, even if we have to close down whole sectors of the economy. And so we've really had a big division about how to handle something which is a public health national disaster. It's not a party issue, but it has become a party issue. Uh, Democrats are much more deferential to medical scientists than Republicans are. Uh, Democrats are much more trusting of major universities than Republicans are. Republicans have begun to think that major universities don't have their interests. They're too liberal. They have views. Uh, Democrats are incredibly trusting of Professor Smith and Jones from Stanford here or that, uh, what they say. And so if uh, 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 Vice President Biden is president, you'll find him surrounded by medical scientists with him saying nothing compl- more complimentary 
documentary about it. These are the deep divisions that we see uh, 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 for that. I'm leaving abortion alone where a very strong core of the Republican Party wants abortion to be substantially more limited in this country. And a substantial part of the Democratic Party wants it available almost under all circumstances. And it's not the complete majority in each most want some limits uh, on it, but one party really is for allowing states to substantially restrict access. The other is to basically say this is a woman's decision uh, and the government should not be involved in this and it should be available between a woman and and her physician. It's not easy to see compromises when you see these kinds of divisions. So political ambition and ideology aside, um, healthcare, as you know, in, in this country, is ne- we spend nearly 20% of GDP on healthcare. It's uh, uh, close to $2 trillion. Uh, so there is the, uh, I think it's Stein's law that says if, if it can't keep going up in price, it, it won't. If something can't continue, it won't. Um, what would Stein, be- right. Yes. Um, what would um, the story be, let's say, from both sides? Uh, I, I believe the right would say markets help to control price and that competition drives prices down as it does for everything. What would be, other than just price controls, uh, the left or the Democrats' idea on how to control uh, what's effectively uh, the U.S. is spending double of what any other uh, OECD nation spends on healthcare? How, how would they propose limiting uh, this and, and let me do a follow-up and saying, wouldn't that $2 trillion, if you, if you um, believe government should be doing more for more people, wouldn't that free up a substantial amount of money if you could limit costs in healthcare for other priorities? Uh, so uh, first, and I have to apologize uh, to the audience as well as many of my colleagues, the average American voter is not all worried about what share the GNP goes to healthcare. They actually want to spend more. It's prices that assess them. It's not. It's the price of insulin, not how much insulin people use. It's the price of a cancer drug that's emerged, not how many people are going to take that. That doesn't mean if I'm an expert, I'm an economist, I don't worry about that. They really don't. It's the prices that, that obsess uh, people. When you talk to them, they tell you that it's unbelievable. They charge for this. They charge my child's diabetes. They charge for this treatment. I can't believe that to deliver a baby, it, the charges they have, it's, it's outrageous. Uh, but actually, average voters do not say, oh, we have to spend what England does, what Germany does. I'll tell you, this is the gap between experts in America. You could be a Republican or Democratic expert uh, and, and, and that. And I don't want to get into it, but when the public is asked how they would change the federal budget, uh, I have to tell you that defense spending would go long before healthcare spending. Uh, so uh, this is an issue that experts are, are, are going to debate. What the public wants to know is what can reduce the price uh, of the things that I'm paying. Uh, the price of uh, whether it's mental health services or uh, treatment for cancer, asthma, what can reduce the prices, the charges these people are making, hospitals, doctors, pharma. Uh, and so uh, the Democrats are on the side uh, that you basically put limits on people's budgets uh, and you have governments where they can uh, negotiating and not paying the price uh, that the market wants to charge. 
Republicans really do believe in markets. We are a market economy and most other things. But it's important if you step back, Democrats see health care closer to public education. Republicans think as an industry, you know, right away when you have someone Republican leaning, it's always how should this industry be reformed? You don't talk about public education as the public education industry uh, for it. So there's a very that uh, budgets priorities should be set by government uh, negotiations. Uh, uh, lots of uh, Democratic leaning journalists have written about uh, what should they charge for treatments under COVID? Who's going to get that? We're going to leave it to the market uh, for that. Republicans really believe if we had prices and people paid charges and we really encouraged alternative companies to enter this market. I mean, CVS the, uh, at Walgreens, they're all delivering primary care, starting with uh, Walmart. Uh, the idea is we'll have companies deliver alternatives and they'll be cheaper and, and better. So the view is ha- how uh, uh, you get there. But the fundamental view of what government does is really very, very far apart. Do I encourage private enterprises to compete as a way of lowering prices? Do I have the government get involved and negotiate with the 100 largest pharmaceutical companies uh, rates and limits and prices and I find them if their prices go up? Uh, Do I charge them something if their work is based on federal research support? So these views, how you come to that table are very far apart. And in the work we've done, they're further apart than they were 20 years ago about how you deal with these issues. And that's where we're gonna be wrestling. And if one party wins to the other, we're gonna tilt in one direction or another on the cost. It won't be that there won't be some competition in one or there won't be some regulation, but there really will be very different approaches. I think you you, you revealed some very uh, important truths there that uh, we shouldn't be talking about industries and GDP. We should be talking about the experience of individual consumers and and what what they see. That's um, what they run on. That's what the candidates run on. Really, if you listen very carefully, neither candidates are discussing the GDP in healthcare. It's what we do in the expert community. Uh, Every day when I go to a seminar, I know I've shifted from surveying thousands of consumers back to being with experts because they start on the GDP in the minute. And when I go back to consumers, they're telling you about the price of some drug or the doctor's visit specialist or uh, an ophthalmologist before they got uh, this. And how can we charge this much? But they never mention, well, it's so much cheaper somewhere else. And the minute you enter the expert room, regardless of uh, the leanings of that expert, we're talking about the GDP again. One, one interesting, uh, uh, one of the many interesting things you've just brought up is is this faith in. Uh, first, you mentioned in science and scientists uh, was more prevalent on uh, in the Democratic Party. Then also universities, um, perhaps that's uh, faith in uh, in their expertise and their wisdom. Uh, and then I think perhaps some of that is uh, thought to rub off on on government. I, I find that interesting that they're as confident in government policymakers to make the right decisions uh, as they are for scientists and, and, and university professors. Uh, can you say more about, well, is that indeed true? Do, do um, uh, uh, Democrats think uh, government employees and government policymakers are as wise as scientists and uh, uh, university professors? 
so the uh, what's uh, uh, really uh, uh, difficult, the questions about scientists are not whether or not scientists should design your lives. Should my restaurant be open? That's a different question. Do I trust the scientist? Then I really respect that they find cures for cancer. They find iPhone fives. Uh, they find uh, all kinds of incredible, miraculous scientific discoveries. And people really respect that. Where there's tension about how much should scientists tell you to live, uh, 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 live your uh, lives, um, in uh, general, the public has incredible distrust of the Congress. And that's the usual question that people see in the newspaper, uh, trust in government, but it's really actually highly related to trust in the Congress. And people do not have a great deal of trust uh, in, in elected officials in general, but they do with their own party uh, uh, for that. As a whole, the CDC, uh, has been uh, a relatively well-trusted agency. Uh, how that'll survive this pandemic, we don't know yet. Uh, but people have had respect for the FDA and the CDC uh, for numbers of years. They have respected that these are more science-oriented, trying to make recommendations based on whatever the best medicine and public health has, has to say. But we have really politicized many of these decisions, and we're going to have to see in a year, two from now, if people's faith in either the FDA or, or that. What we know is there are a lot of people who are very nervous about these vaccines. So if you listen to the experts, the way out of this is we're going to have a vaccine that'll do it. And they're, uh, at the moment, the majority of Americans that are leery about taking this vaccine uh, for that. I think that's possible to move that off. So there is more distrust of the science-related agencies uh, uh, than before. But people are skeptical about elected politicians in general. Their inner belief is a lot of times they just make decisions for what is good for either groups or their own election rather than the public. But the science-related agencies have been much better thought of. But we're in the middle of an epidemic where uh, these agencies are making tough decisions. Uh, should your school be open? Should your job be available to you? Should you go? Do you have to wear a mask? Uh, who should be admitted to a hospital or not? And so that is creating tensions if people are nervous about the decisions about how much trust they have. But it's no question that Democrats trust the government agencies more and clearly scientists. So we're getting close to the end of our show, and I want to uh, make sure we we address not just the national uh, questions, and your paper didn't break down uh, the numbers by state. Uh, you're a Massachusetts resident, or usually are. I think you may be in Florida now. You missed the snowstorm we had this past week. Uh, yes, no, I, I, I am at the moment. I hope to be back to catch one of them. <laughs> wonderful. Um, uh, can you speak to um, your, uh, your knowledge of uh, the relationship of the federal policy to state uh, policy. How will, you mentioned briefly in your introduction that a lot of money will have to come to support um, uh, the states after COVID, uh, but what do you see as uh, the likely outcome as far as Massachusetts goes? Uh, if there's a Republican sweep versus a Democratic sweep, will that impact what Massachusetts sees um, in federal funds from the federal government uh, or not? 
so uh, uh, quickly, because it doesn't get a lot of news coverage at the moment, uh, states, particularly if they have high expenditures for health care and schools and education, uh, are running very large deficits. And a lot of them have rainy day funds, reserve funds. They're actually short-term borrowing. But comes next year, uh, you're going to find Governor Baker and Governor New York and everything with talking about huge deficits. It's going to affect uh, state aid for cities, et cetera. Uh, those uh, funds, if you look at the Massachusetts budget, uh, heavily go to subsidize public health care, to public health non-COVID, to the public schools, to support of state institutions like the University of Massachusetts. Uh, for that, uh, the Republicans, uh, first of all, are in lower state expenditure states as a whole. Uh, uh, Florida and Texas didn't extend Medicaid yet. Uh, 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 for that, their expenditures are much, much lower. The Republicans are generally not sympathetic to writing large checks for states in the next couple of years with very large deficits. The Democrats are. And so if you had a complete Republican victory, uh, you would find the governor talking to you next year about having to face a fiscal crisis like the state hasn't faced in a long time. And we'd have to make very hard choices. Uh, if the Democrats have the Congress and the presidency, they will try to subsidize uh, states with large deficits, at least for a few years to try to get them through this period. So this is not being widely discussed in the campaign, but it will be huge. If I'm president of the University of Massachusetts and I don't get any state uh, federal aid, uh, we are going to have very large cutbacks. We're going to have large cutbacks in, in, in the Medicaid program. Uh, there's no way that states can raise the money in the shortfall. Uh, and that has to do with state income is often very uh, independent on both sales taxes and certain just basic income tax uh, 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 levels. So uh, the outcome of whether or not there is federal help for states as a safety net to get through the next two or three years will be critical. Because otherwise, the discussions in states like Massachusetts will be, what do we do about the shortfalls? And they'll be very painful because if the Democrats win, they've discussed all these new programs they want to launch. Uh, when from the governor's level, how do I pay the teachers next year with a shortfall on economics that, that we're likely to have? Uh, so uh, this is a story yet to come, but the Democrats would try to subsidize these states through the next two or three years shortfall, and Republican leaders have been much more reluctant to say they'll go that direction. Well, that's a great way to end our show with, a, uh, I think, a, a great topic for future uh, podcast episodes. How will we pay for all this debt and uh, deficit? So uh, thank you very much for joining the, Thanks the show. Thanks for having me. And we'll see after Tuesday what the story is. Yes. Then we'll know what, what's happened uh, and, uh, and try to assess from there. So thank right. you very much. Uh, I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Take care. This has been another episode of Hubwonk. I'm your host, Joe Salvaggi. If you enjoyed today's show, there are several ways to support Hubwonk. You can subscribe to Hubwonk. You can offer a five-star rating. You can offer a review, and you can share it with friends. If you have ideas for future episodes or comments for me, 
you can reach me at hubwonk at pioneerinstitute.org. Please join us next week for a new episode of Hubwonk. <laughs>